0: This podcast is made possible by listener support on Patreon. If you would like to support the podcast, please visit patreon.com slash Sam Near-Death Experiences. Why should I be frightened of dying? There's you no know, reason for it. You better go sometime. hello and welcome to the Sam Reed's near-death experiences podcast I'm doing something slightly different today uh, I wanted to go back and and try to find a near-death experience that um, isn't from this time period that is um, isn't from the 20th or 21st centuries uh, I wanted to go back and see if I could find some throughout history and um, there are many um, not as many as we have today but um, this one stood out to me. It's coming to us from the mid 1700s, um, and it's coming from a uh, physician and minister uh, by the name of George de Benville, or George de Um And yeah, I was I was interested in doing this because I want to kind of look throughout history and and try to see if we have near-death experiences that have similar features to what we have today or if, have, if they have different aspects to what we have today. Um, and this was uh, very interesting. Um, just a little bit about George de Beneville. He was a minister and a physician, and uh, he, he had his experience in, uh, at the age of 36. Uh, He was born in 1703, so that would put his experience at about 1739. Um, And after his experience, he moved to America and um, um, uh, spread his gospel that he uh, received from this experience um, and was a doctor as well. Um, So I just found this very fascinating. Now, I will say that it's it's quite uh, heavily uh, steeped in the language of the time. It it almost reads like a biblical passage from uh, the King James version of the Bible or something. Um, so, as long as you can, you know, bear with that and kind of take it kind of slowly. It, it's it's quite biblical in its uh, tone, shall we say? Um, and he, uh, it, it has a, a, you know numerous features that we we see in, in modern near death experiences. So uh, I thought it was really interesting. Um, I hope you do as well. Uh, this is coming. I found this. It's on christianuniversalist.org. dot uh, org. I guess it's some kind of website based on uh, the universalist sect in Christianity. Um, and I think the reason behind that is because he, he uh, uh, de Bineville comes to quite a universalist uh, uh, form of Christianity after this experience. So I think that's why they have this on there. But um, it's quite well substantiated. He wrote this account himself. um and so yeah i thought it was really interesting uh, i'll share the link uh, the link down uh, in the description of this episode and um check it out there's there's a couple there's some more uh information on different historical near death experiences and, and things like that in this article so you should check it out but uh with that being said uh we'll just Dive right in, Uh, this is George de Beneville's near-death experience. I felt myself die by degrees, and exactly at midnight I was separated from my body and saw the people occupied in washing it, according to the custom of the country. I had a great desire to be freed from the sight of my body, and immediately I was drawn up as in a cloud, and beheld great wonders where I passed, impossible to be written or expressed. I quickly came to a place which appeared to my eyes as a level plain, so extensive that my sight was not able to reach its limits, filled with all sorts of delightful fruit trees, agreeable to behold, and which sent forth such fragrant odors that all the air was filled as with incense. In this place I found that I had two guardians, one on my right hand and the other at my left, exceeding beautiful beyond expression, whose boundless friendship and love seemed to penetrate through all my inward parts. They had wings and resembled angels, having shining bodies and white garments. He that was at my right hand came before me and said, My dear soul and my dear brother, take courage. The most holy trinity hath favored you to be comforted with an everlasting and universal consolation by discovering to you how and in what manner he will restore all his creatures without exception to the praise of his glory and their eternal salvation. And you shall be witness of this, and shall rejoice in singing and triumph with all the children of God, therefore as a reward for the friendship and love that you have borne for your neighbors, on whose accounts you had many extreme griefs, and shed many tears, which God himself, who shall turn all your griefs to exceeding great gladness. Then he took his place at my right hand. After that, the second guardian who was at my left hand appeared before me and spoke thus, My dear soul, my dear brother, be of good cheer. Thou shalt be strengthened and comforted after your griefs with a universal and eternal consolation. You must be prepared to pass through the seven habitations of the damned. Be of good courage and prepare yourself to feel something of their sufferings but be turned inward deeply during the time, and you shall thereby be preserved. Then he took his place at my left hand. Immediately we were lifted up in the air, and some time after we arrived in a dark, obscure place where nothing but weeping, lamentation, and gnashing of teeth could be understood. A dreadful place, as being the repository of all sorts of damned souls, under condemnation with the torments, pains, griefs, and sufferings which their sins had merited, for each one had his works to follow him in death. All iniquities and sins were reduced to seven classes or habitations. There was an eternal confusion there. That which one made, the other destroyed. The duelist, in his fire of anger, burns against his enemy, and they pass as a flame and firebrand of hell, one through the other. You might see fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, thieves, the covetous, drunkards, slanderers, ravishers, etc., each laboring and being employed with his sins and iniquities. One might also see all kinds of conditions of men, divines, deputies, controvators, advocates, judges, lawyers, and in a word one might discover whatsoever any of them had done upon earth. In each habitation I discovered that those who were abased and that appeared sorrowful for their sins were separated from the others of seven habitations of the damned, where I knew one I had been acquainted with upon earth. I discovered also that he had a habitation among the damned, and that they were able to see the elect from the habitation where he was, but were not able to pass through, because there was a great gulf between them, so that all are obliged to dwell where they are. It is impossible to describe my condition, as I had great compassion towards the sufferers, insomuch as I had part of their sufferings. After we had passed through, we were lifted up some distance from the place where we reposed ourselves, and a messenger was sent to us who watered or refreshed us as with a river of pleasure, saying, Eat, my beloved, and drink, my friends, to refresh yourselves after all your toils and pains. My dear soul and my dear brother, addressing himself to me, the most holy trinity always works wonders. In all times within his poor creatures without exception. And he will order for a time, and half a time, that you shall return into your earthly tabernacle to publish and to proclaim to the people of the world a universal gospel that shall restore in its time all the human species without exception to its honor and to the glory of its most holy trinity. Alleluia. Beholding the messenger attentively, I discovered that he had the most glorious body, dressed in a robe whiter than snow, filled with the most exalted love and friendship, joined with the deepest humility which penetrated me through and through, and suddenly there was heard a great multitude of the heavenly host. And the messenger said, as he flew to join the same, with a sweet voice, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord Almighty God, who was and is and who is to come. The multitude were innumerable, and there was one who surpassed in grandeur, brightness, beauty, majesty, magnificence, and excellence, all the others, even the Son of the living God, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the power of his word when he had by himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. As the multitude approached, the glory caused us to fall down and to adore in spirit and in truth the Son of the living God, who marched in the midst of the multitude. After they had passed us, we were lifted up and caused to follow them, for the air carried us the way they went in a different manner than before. Oh, the wonders of our God! When we arrived in the place of the seven habitations of the damned, we could perceive no more darkness, obscurity, pain, torments, lamentations, afflictions, nor gnashing of teeth. When we arrived in the place of the seven habitations of the damned, we could perceive no more darkness, obscurity, pain, torments, lamentations, afflictions, nor gnashing of teeth. All were still and quiet, and an agreeable sweetness appeared through the whole. Then all the heavenly hosts shouted with one voice and said, An eternal and everlasting deliverance, an eternal and everlasting restoration, universal and everlasting restitution of all things. Then all the multitude adored the Most Holy Trinity, and sang the song of the Lamb, even the song of the triumph for the victory gained by Him, in the most harmonious manner. And at the end all the multitude being upon their knees, said with a loud voice, Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord, God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, O King of Saints, Presently they passed through the seven habitations of the damned, and a multitude were delivered from each, and being clothed in white robes, they followed the heavenly host, praising and glorifying the Most High for their deliverance. One might know them amongst the others. They all retired by a different way than that which they came. The messenger then came and conducted us into a most wonderful place and ordered my two guardians to conduct me into five celestial mansions where the lord's elect abide and then to reconduct me to dwell yet a time and to half a time in my earthly habitation and to preach to the lower world the universal everlasting gospel and that the most holy trinity hath a pure universal love towards all the human race without exception and to each one in particular then turning himself towards me, he said, My dear soul, my dear brother, thou shalt be favored of the most holy Trinity, to be conducted by thy guardians, who shall never leave thee. When thou shalt have need of their counsel, thou needest but to call them, and they shall be day and night present at thy service. They shall conduct thee into five of the heavenly mansions at this time, where thou shalt partake in a certain degree of the celestial glory as much as thy spirit shall be able to receive, as not being yet sanctified and purified sufficiently. And then thou shalt be reconducted into thine earthly tabernacle for a time and half a time, and shall preach to the lower world of the universal, everlasting gospel, and that the most holy trinity hath a pure universal love towards all the human race, without exception, and towards each one in particular. The fountain of grace bless and preserve thee, and cause his face to shine upon and in thee, and enlighten thine understanding, both in time and in eternity. Amen. Our knees bending of their own accord, he laid his hand upon my head and blessed me, and immediately took wing and swiftly fled away. After that, my guardian conducted me into five celestial habitations, where I discovered many wonders. Some had greater brightness, glory, and majesty than others, and as the places were, so were the inhabitants. Some were clothed in garments whiter than snow, others had transparent bodies, and others again had white bodies resembling crystal. It is impossible to express these things. They were moved by boundless burning love, rising up and then plunging themselves into the deepest humility. All their motions were penetrating, being filled with love and friendship. Their actions and manners are strengthened and animated with brightness, being filled with light as with the rays of the sun. It was the fire of heavenly love, which by inflaming all their hearts causes them all to burn in the same spirit. They have no need of any way of speaking there, but the language and motions of eternal and universal love, without words for their actions, their motions speak more than all words. I was then conducted into five habitations of the elect. At the first, a great multitude came before us with songs to the honor and glory of the Most High and of the victory gained over the damned. They received us with triumph, great zeal, love and friendship, saluting us with profound humility, and conducting us into a large room. There was a great table covered and furnished with all sorts of fruit, not only pleasant to behold, but also exceedingly delicious to taste. In the meantime, while we were taking our repast, the celestial multitudes formed songs and sang psalms of praise and thanksgiving to the most holy trinity. After that, we were conducted into all the five celestial habitations that I was to see, where I saw many wonders impossible to describe. First, many thrones lifted up of inexpressible beauty and magnificence. Upon one of these thrones, I beheld the royal high priest, surrounded with exceeding great brightness and clothed in most excellent majesty being employed in kind intercession before his father for all the human species pleading the sufficiency of his blood shedding to deliver and sanctify a thousand such worlds as ours all the elect with the heavenly spirits joined their intercession with that of their high priest the only chief king being reconcilers, saviors, and restorers in the same spirit, this mutual intercession appeared like incense, ascending on high into the sanctuary of the Lord. Over against the throne I discovered Adam with Eve, rejoicing in the only mediator between God and men, and adoring together the most holy trinity for the deliverance of their children out of the great miseries and eternal condemnation, into which their sin and fall had brought them, and upon their bended knees adoring the only mediator for the intercession he makes in behalf of mankind. Also I beheld a multitude of spirits, flying and inflamed with the fire of heavenly love, while we adored, humbled in nothingness, rendering our religious homage to the Most High for his intercession and the deliverance of all mankind then my guardian who was at my right hand coming before me said thus dear soul my dear brother do you see these spirits flying who are vanished in the spirit of love and gratitude humbled and self-annihilated as it were adoring before the throne of grace and praying the savior for the intercessions he made for them these are lately delivered from the infernal prisons it is from them that the tincture of the blood of jesus christ hath been shed even to the last drop notwithstanding they had dwelt a long time shut up in the place of the damned under the power of the second death and have passed through many agonies pains and tribulations upon that i perceived that adam and eve approached and adam spoke to me after his manner my dear brother Rejoice with universal and eternal joy, as you are favored with the heavenly visions. It is in this manner that our adorable royal high priest, mediator, and intercessor shall restore all my descendants to the glory of our God, and their eternal and universal salvation for the kingdom of eternal love hath power sufficient to draw all mankind out of their bondage, and to exclaim and say, O death, where's thy sting? etc. But, my dear brother, this love of our God in Jesus Christ, by the power of his Holy Spirit, shall not only gain the victory over all the human species, but also surmount or overflow the kingdom of Satan entirely, with all the principalities of their fallen angels, and shall bring them back in their first glory, which they have had in the beginning. I will make all things new said the Lord of hosts, and the end shall return into its beginning. O my Lord and my God, what great wonders hast thou caused to pass before mine eyes? Who am I, O my God, dust and ashes, an ungrateful and rebellious creature? I should not dare to lift mine eyes towards the heavens if the blood of Jesus Christ, thy Son, did not plead for me. My soul rejoices and is glad she shouts for joy O my god whom i adore love and respect before whom i desire to be without ceasing self-annihilated at thy feet O my god and my love the seraphims and cherubims burning with the fire of thy heavenly love adore and honor thee give me thy grace also O my god that i may be consumed before thee while i sing the majesty glory in the memory of god who hath created and redeemed me i would praise him incessantly not in the shadow or figure but in reality and truth i would continue devoted to thee and always be swallowed up in the ocean of love without a wish to leave it being in this manner conducted into five celestial habitations i discovered many mysteries saw many miracles And beheld the wonders of the most holy trinity among the children, the elect, and heavenly inhabitants, and perceiving how some surpassed others in brightness, light, splendor, majesty, friendship, love, humiliation, and self-abasement, concerning of which things my tongue is too feeble to speak, my pen to write. I adore the marvelous ways of my God with all the happy spirits. Many thrones, palaces, edifices, temples, and buildings were erected in all parts, with fruit trees intermixed, rivers of pleasure gliding along through the celestial land, which appeared like a garden of heaven, even the paradise of God. It is the court of the King of kings, the Lord of lords, which the eye has not seen nor the ear heard and which the hearts of men have not received. It is the celestial globe where the new Jerusalem, or Mount Sion, is placed, where the bosom of Abraham is, where the sufferers who came out of their tribulations are refreshed and rejoice forgetting all their miseries, being come out of their purifications, they are made to rejoice in Sion. O magnificent globe, O thou city of the great God, stately city of this place where shall a mortal find convenient phrases to lift out a little of thy glory and splendor it is the glory and magnificence of the most holy trinity where god is pleased to manifest himself in his pomp and beauty the blessed angels have their employment in serving god they compose the court of the great king O oh my God, I am not able to express that which penetrates me of the grandeur, magnificence, splendor, pomp, and majesty of thy dwellings, or of the inhabitants in those transparent places. Hallelujah and victory forever. Amen. Then my guardian took me up and reconducted me to the house from whence I came, where I perceived the people assembled, and discovering my body in the coffin. I was reunited with the same, and found myself lodged within my earthly tabernacle, and coming to myself, I knew my dear brother Marcy and many others, who gave me an account of my being twenty-five hours in the coffin, and seventeen hours before they put me in the coffin, which altogether made forty-two hours. To me they seemed as many years. Beginning then to preach the universal gospel, I was presently put in prison, but soon set at liberty again. I visited all my brethren, preaching the gospel and taking leave of them all, because that my God and sovereign good called me to go to America and preach the gospel there. I took my departure for the same in the 38th year of my age, and it is 41 years since I have first arrived here. The 28th of July next, 1782, 1782. I shall be seventy-nine years of age. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. Okay, so that was the near-death experience of George de Beneville in the 18th century. uh, Long before they even had a term to talk about what this experience was, uh, which we call an NDE. But, um, yeah, it was pretty fascinating. I I wanted to to read this for a couple different reasons. The first off is I'm interested in the idea of the historical development of near-death experiences. There have been others that I might read at other points, but um, I was interested in trying to show you all and whoever's interested that this experience is not just limited to the uh, 20th century or or um, or modern times. Like uh, now, there's probably a greater preponderance of uh, near-death experiences uh, that we can read nowadays, of course, due to the uh, Development in uh, medical techniques of resuscitation and uh, uh, just medicine in general. Um, plus, we have the internet um, to share these stories and and you know read them and podcasts like all this crazy stuff we have nowadays. But um, I wanted to read this because this isn't near death experiences aren't necessarily a modern phenomena. Um, there's, as this shows, there's plenty of evidence that these, uh, this experience is a, a human kind of universal, um, and it's something I might try to do, uh, you know, as we go along every now and then try to get one that's uh, shows this experience from a different time period, and 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 one question I'm interested in in asking and seeing if I can find an, an answer is whether um the near death experiences throughout history show a certain pattern of development um clearly this near death experiences is heavily heavily um influenced by the language and uh religion of the time right but what what i'd like to see if, is if i can look back and see if i, I don't know there's a if somehow we're drawing closer to to god or something if there's some kind of development of a relationship between god and humanity or something now i obviously i can't i'll have to keep an eye on that as we do these but that's just a, an interesting question i'd like to look at um and i could also look at what features of the near death experience Remain the same for all periods of time. So, um, uh, I'd be interested in seeing if there's an evolving, changing element, and also elements and features that remain the same. Now, to start off with, um, uh, I wanted to bring up some of the near-death experience features which um, we can see in this story. Um, uh, the first of which coming to mind is is the fact that he mentions multiple times that he has a lot of difficulty expressing what he saw that uh he doesn't have the right words to describe these numerous glories and wonders that that he um perceived um clearly that's that's something we get in a lot of these uh modern near-death experiences as well um the other thing is um there was a section in there where he was talking about how the uh I guess different heavenly beings are have the same spirit and they, they communicate without speaking, which is um, something that, again, we see in lots of different near-death experience stories that uh, communication is telepathic, that there's no need for words, um, which kind of goes along with the first thing that I mentioned. Um, another thing is... Uh, this idea which is known as uh, universalism and uh, this story was on a Christian Universalist website which is why they featured it I, I presume but the idea of universalism is that all the souls of of everyone the the good people and the bad people will be saved um, that. Salvation is universal for everybody, um, which is something that you that comes across in modern near-death experiences. Now, a lot of modern uh, near-death experiences aren't necessarily as explicitly religious as this one is. I mean, dogma- dogmatically speaking, um, although many many are. Um, it just kind of depends on who has it, I suppose, but. Um, the idea that that everyone eventually uh, returns to the light is one that you uh, you see all the time in, in near-death experiences. You know, on the more religious side and on the less religious side, that that there is uh, for those who are suffering in the agonies of uh, their own sins, shall we say, uh, that there is salvation um, if. It is uh, if if one repents or something like that that everyone can be saved eventually. That is definitely a message that you get in in modern near death experiences, and that kind of forms the basis of uh, of this uh, near death experience. It's uh, you know during the course of it, all the or certain. Uh, souls in the hellish damned uh, places get saved and reincorporated, and and uh, George is told that eventually everyone will be saved, and including the uh, realms of Satan, and that Satan will be brought back into the heavenly fold, so to speak, which is a, a very interesting idea, and and you can see how how. Learning this would possibly clash with the ideas of the time um, for George, but um, just to continue with some of the um, some of the interesting parallels I saw to modern near-death experiences, um, uh, the fact that there's uh, guardian angels that he kind of has these guides throughout this experience that's something that a lot of modern near-death experience stories have that there's someone some being of light or form that that is able to help the uh experience or through um the whole journey um another thing is this uh idea of there are kind of hierarchies of of uh i don't know closeness to god that that's something that comes across quite strongly in this story, that um, there are kind of different levels of of uh, glory and magnificence and splendor and, and closeness to God. Um, and that is uh, something that's echoed um, in uh, modern near-death experience stories. And also the, the idea that there was a, a certain line in there, I don't remember exactly what the phrase was, but it was, uh, you can experience as as much of this as your spirit can stand, <laughs> something like that, that um, y- your soul is not completely sanctified and purified. Um, and so there you can only stand so much of the glory of God or something, uh, and then you'll hit a point where you kind of can't take it anymore. And that's something I've seen before in other stories that um, I guess... The I don't know, but the purity or the frequency of somebody's vibrations, or, or I know that sounds really New Agey, but bear with me, um, that the the purity of their heart or something determines how what level of of the afterlife that they get to go in. Uh, I've seen that a, a couple times in different stories, and so that's interesting that it's. Um, present in this one as well. And then uh, another, I, I guess you could call this a feature of of near-death experiences uh, that we see in this story, is that George is told that he has to go back. You know, that's kind of... We wouldn't really have near-death experiences if, if the person didn't have to come back, but this was... Clearly emphasized in this story that he was to return back to the earthly tabernacle, as they, as he put it in this story, um, to preach this gospel. Um, and that's something that you you see in, in modern near death experiences that for some reason the it's not your time. They're, uh, the experiencer is told and they have to go back into their body, and there's often some reluctance, but. Um, there's also usually an emphasis placed on the fact that the near-death experiencer has some kind of mission to fulfill, that they have some kind of purpose or, or, uh, certain requirements that they need to, to finish up on earth. And that's why they can't stay. And so this was, uh, that sentiment was definitely expressed in this story that he had to return back and, and preach this gospel. But, um, that it seems like that kind of caused some problems for George. He, he mentions that he got thrown in prison, um, after he returned to his body. Um, and he, he recovered after being in a coffin for, I guess, 42 hours, something like that. And he started preaching the gospel and, and those ideas that he brought back from this near-death experience clashed with the dogmas of the time. Um, And that made me think of of this really interesting Jungian idea, um, which I've got from reading Carl Jung, that uh, there's this kind of dynamic that has to be maintained between dogma and uh, mysticism, might be a good way to put it. that uh, Jung thought that religions kind of unconsciously developed on their own as as ways of of protecting and and solidifying and um, structuring the psyche. That people developed these rituals and traditions and dogmas and taboos and ceremonies as ways of keeping the psyche in check, from uh, keeping all these unconscious collective archetypes from flooding and swamping uh, someone's consciousness or, or going crazy, that that the dogmas and, and structures of a church or religion allow uh, the believer to make sense of the world, that uh, when someone has a, intense vision or an uh, intense dream or something where they, it, it really affects them, they have this kind of community and structure in order to make sense of whatever they experience. They, whether it was something that seemed like they, it was possessing them, some out-of-control emotional affect or, or complex, they could, they could uh, personify that as a, a demon. Or something like that. They could make sense. They have these forms and, and rituals and, and, uh, and symbols of, of a particular religion to, to, to help protect um, one's soul, one might say. Um, and so the thing that he then emphasized was, okay, you have all these structures of, of religions around the world, whatever they are, uh, rituals, traditions, dogmas um, But there are, it's important that they also be continually updated um, So that they stay fresh and stay um, uh, effective, really That they uh, still allow people to be in relationship to a deity or divine um, And so what we have here is an example of, of Perhaps one might consider an update to uh, maybe the the Christian religion that uh, George had an experience of God. Now, once once a religious dogma kind of gets baked in and and accepted, it can be very difficult to change that. Um, and clearly, he faced some issues with. Uh, trying to conform his experience of God and and Christ into the accepted notions and beliefs of the time, um, but I think that's very important that we don't lose that element of um, of adding whatever our religious ex- or personal religious experiences are to uh, whatever religion you are um a part of um now i understand that there's that that can go off the rails pretty pretty severely you know if you you know have people trying to become saviors or messiahs or prophets and starting a cult and you know that that has a lot of danger associated with it that's why you kind of have to have this balancing act between the the old traditions of dogma and the um a personal mystical religious experience that you you try to try to mold these together and 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 keep this uh, um, uh, this repositories of, of symbols and and wisdom and knowledge, keeping it fresh and modern. Um, and so, I think that this is a very good example of of that kind of tension between the old way of, of thinking of things that all, all sinners are damned for all eternity. They stay with Satan. And, you know, if you slip up with whatever your, your sin was, and you don't ask for Christ's forgiveness, forgiveness, then you're done. Um, This idea is now um, found, found George through this experience, this idea of, of salvation for everybody. And, and, and that can become part of, of um, you know, the Christian religion now um at that time and, and it clearly it's developed in the um idea of universalism, which uh I believe doesn't have its roots with George that it goes back farther than that. But I'm I'm mainly emphasizing this point because I think that Modern near death experiences should probably play a similar role. That, um, that what it's like each of us has a specific connection to what we might call the divine. Now, people believe different things, there are different religions, there are different, um, you know, forms of spirituality, but. Um, each of us will have our own particular experience of this throughout our lives. Now, uh, not all of us are going to have in- near-death experiences, but dreams, visions, intuitions, sort of thing. I already mentioned the dangers of these, that if you uh, pathologize that experience, that you can you know, form a cult and claim you're the only one who knows... The way to God, or something like that, but it, w- what seems to come across from near-death experiences is that we all have a an individual experience of the divine that is unique to us and yet universal, that the forms and patterns and um, you know certain. Symbols that appear to us in the, during near-death experiences will be particular for for a specific individual, but the overall uh, the overall message or underlying kind of pattern is the same for everybody in a way, because um, there's a, a remarkable coherence between uh, the ideas and wisdom that near death experiences uh uh have within them and but there is a, a remarkable diversity between the specific uh you know even you know the forms and the the beings the angels the all the different aspects of of a particular near death experience the even the timeline of of uh, one person might have a life review and then go off somewhere else and someone might um you know be transported to a field and then talk to someone and then have a life review or something like that but um so there's there's a diversity as far as what the experience itself is but i i think it it's pr- fairly obvious to anyone who is interested in in reading and learning about near death experiences that they they share a similar message or or underlying kind of foundation. Um, and I, I think I'll just end with, with that idea and, and another question that I have. It's fun to end with questions because then I don't have to <laughs> have any answers. Um, but this is a question that I got from reading Jung's uh, Red Book which is his, uh, his personal account of, of his uh, going into himself. He, he had a series of visions and, and uh, dreams uh, in the middle part of his life where he essentially found a living God within himself. Um, and his, the question was, what, what will be the next God... The next religion that emerges, um, we seem to be at a point where, at least for certain religions of the West, that maybe the power of the symbols that we had before um, are starting to run a little, start starting to run on empty a bit, and clashing with all of our modern scientific knowledge, and i guess the thought might be that eventually we will find a way to uh, to i don't know be able to have a religious experience and experience of the divine without having to sacrifice our our um our understanding of the world and uh and our use of of science and and uh, material knowledge and it 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 really kind of reflects that idea of of uh, the tension between tradition and um, and the spirit of of mysticism or or one's own personal experience it's entirely conceivable to me that one day we we might each have to find our own God within ourselves. And I know that <laughs> sounds crazy as far as how would we ever agree on anything, but uh, the seemingly collective nature of, of uh, the universal uh, experience that people have, which is reflected in, in near-death experiences of, of today and of in the 18th century, Um, I don't know if we, if we each have our own experience of God, maybe they won't be so different from one another. I don't know, but that's a question that, that we can continue to mull on. And I certainly (laughs) don't have an answer. These are wild speculations, but that's what, uh, that's what this podcast is for. So (laughs) I hope you all, uh, enjoyed listening to this and, um, yeah, it's something I'll I'll continue to look into every now and then. Maybe finding a uh, historical near death experiences and uh, near death experience and and, and uh, seeing what we can uh, learn from them. So um, thank you so much for listening. If you would like to uh, send me an email, you may do so at samreadsneardeathexperiences at gmail uh, You can check out the Facebook page. Uh, if you want to support the po- podcast, you may do so at uh, Patreon, on Patreon, Sam Reads Near-Death Experiences. And if you want to follow me along in my daily life, uh, you can check out my Instagram, and my name is The Timber Lion. So I think we'll wrap up there and, and uh, move on to our ending quote on death. Okay, so this uh, quote that I have today is coming from the Gospel of Thomas, which was a uh, a, a Gnostic Christian text, um, which was not included in the Bible, um, but is uh, apparently a very early Christian text, which was, I believe, found in the N- a Nag Hammadi cache of um, different scrolls and papyrus, uh, and which was found in the mid 1950s, but. Um I wanted to to read this one because it seems to echo something that was mentioned in the story the near death experience that um uh something about how at the end you reach the beginning again so um here is this quote from the gospel of thomas Have you discovered then the beginning that you look for the end